0: Now, podcasting to Ottawa Senator fans around the world, world. it's the Sins Nation podcast. From praising Alfie to Brady Kachuk and everything in between. If it matters to Sins fans, we're talking about it right here. And now, here's Steve Warren. Well done, Brock Mantooth. Coming up today on the show, the Senators' season is over. The NHL draft lottery rules are out. We'll try and make sense of it, but we have still got a few questions. Uh, we sure played a lot of hockey this year. To eliminate only 23% of the teams, we'll give you our three or two must-watch playoff series. The ones we're looking forward to. After a couple of years without one, Sens head coach DJ Smith is now at least talking about naming a captain. Chris Wideman leaves the NHL signing on in the KHL, Josh Norris your rookie of the year and so much more ahead today as we prepare to face the nation. Greg Kennedy the coach. My co-host. How, how goes it Greg? Very good, thank you Stephen, you? Everything's uh, good? You got a painter? yet? No, no painter. I'm painting my metal okay. roof and it's a bit of a bit of an ordeal for sure. I don't know if I'm going to try and do it myself. <laughs> good chance. Uh, you know.
1: Yeah. You know, my nephew's a painter. Oh. He really is. Does he do metal roofs? <laughs> he does He does um, uh, industrial painting, too. He does interior ceiling stuff with where there's pipes and all that kind of stuff up there. He might be your guy. All right. I'll put you in touch with him.
0: Okay. Well, let's, yeah. let's look into that. Uh, yeah. see, the season's over. No more uh, No more. Sens hockey this year. Not that we expected it, but uh, it's official now. Uh, let the record show the Sens season ended March 11th in L.A. with a key... I think 3-2 loss to the Kings, 2-1, something like that. 3-2, okay. 3-2. It's over. um So we go from here. Uh, what was your idea when the NHL came out with all this stuff this week, the lottery rules, the season being over, the way the playoffs were going to work, what what one thing kind of stood out for you?
1: The biggest thing that stands out for me is that the team with the seventh best record in the NHL could get the first overall pick and the team with the 24th best record in the NHL could win the Stanley Cup. They could lose in the first, what are they calling it, the play-in round, Mm -hmm. and therefore win the first overall pick. Montreal, 24th, could very well go on to win the Stanley Cup. So basically they said they didn't want to do it. Remember, originally it was going to be just the top seven were going to be in the draft lottery. Right. Well, they were worried about that. No, they were going to do it with the 15 teams, right? The point was they didn't want to do it that way just in case some team with like a less than one percent chance could possibly win the Stanley Cup and win the lottery we can't have that you know it's scary right. that that's a possibility well it was less than one percent chance really instead they do this and it's still a less than one percent chance but it can happen I think what they're doing is you know they
0: really want to make it sure make sure that uh, they've got some sort of replacement I don't agree with it but that they've got some sort of replacement for what should have been the final three to four weeks of the regular season when you've got a uh, big stretch drive. You know, uh, these teams well, in the I, NHL's I, eyes were robbed of the chance to make a late push for a playoff spot. So they're looking at this qualifying round as a replacement for the end of the regular season. They don't look at it like the playoffs. So if you lose in the qualifying round, they're almost making it the same as falling short at the end of the season and missing the playoffs. I don't agree with it, but I think that's the thought.
1: Uh well, then, then fine. It just seems like an NHL thing to do. You know, you've got teams that were, uh, how you want to say it? They were deserving of a postseason spot, right? Like teams that were, okay, that's definitely a playoff team. So the way they're doing it now, their odds of winning the cup have been reduced because of this play in round that could see them out immediately. But to make them feel better, they're kind of, okay, we're going to put you into the lottery. But you teams that were bottom seven that really need to have one of these top picks, we're going to reduce your odds. Right, right. It, it just it, doesn't it, add up. It's it's such an NHL, let's make it as even and fair and parity, as much parity as possible.
0: I don't know if you saw Gary Bettman making the announcement. They did it on Sportsnet. Um, his hair's getting crazy, by the way, really crazy. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, by his standards. And uh, I was amazed, like he actually almost out of the gate as he started to talk about the draft lottery rules, he basically said, I'm sorry. Like he apologized for how complicated it was. And to me, that says everything. Like if you have to apologize for the draft lottery rules, you've probably made them too complicated. Like you are the commissioner of the NHL. You're apologizing. You acknowledge that it's too complex. Well, it must be. the average hockey fan is going to be just completely
1: alienated by these things. Well, here's all you need to know: the team's in the middle of the pack. There, what, what we're going to call the 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 eight playing in the play-in round, the middling teams. Mm-hmm. Somehow, they they've come out of it. They're in the, they're in the best shape because they're either going to lose in the first round and have a shot at first overall, or they've got a shot at the Stanley Cup. So basically, they, they probably got equal odds of winning the cup or or getting the first overall pick. Those middling middle pack teams. I, I think those eight teams have got the got the best shots out of all of this. They got the best of the deal, let's say.
0: Right, I I think that there would be reasons to complain, no matter how they did this. It just seems uh, unnecessarily complicated. But let's check in on the Senators because yeah. I think that's what everybody's uh, you know, keen to know about. Um, and this has been out for a few days, so I'm sure that the average Sense fans has got their head around it to some degree. But the standings effectively stay the same, so. Ottawa has the second and third best chance uh, of getting the number one pick. And if you combine them together, that gives them the best overall percentage of getting the pick from an overall perspective. And so if you're a Sens fan, you've got to be pleased that they haven't screwed around with things too much. Their odds haven't changed a whole lot.
1: Right. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, best case scenario, their first, second, worst case scenario, their fifth, sixth. That's right. if you want to throw the
0: Islanders into the pile for what they might, because, I mean, that can't, the Islanders pick won't help them because it's top three protected. If the Islanders happen to win the lottery and they end up in the top three, they're going to go ahead and keep their pick. The Sens pick would go to next year in the J.G. Pajot deal. So if you're looking at the three picks in the best case, I think I read somewhere it was first, second overall, and maybe as high as 10th overall, if the Islanders lose in this qualification round, and then they also get... (laughs) Uh, a pile of upsets in that okay. round. Yeah, the yeah. worst case scenario, obviously, as you mentioned, fifth and sixth, and throw in a thirty-first overall. Should the Islanders go on and win the Stanley Cup? And, this and year.
1: let's let's not get too excited. Like it, it wouldn't be terrible if the Islanders win the draft lottery and you get their pick next year. Right, that is an older team. That's a team with a lot of money tied up in a lot of contracts already signed, where they've got Barzell coming up. Uh, there's there's another con oh their goaltending situation needs work for next season so they might not be a great team next season so having them win the draft lottery and deferring the pick to next year you could come out on top a la the way you've come out on top here with San Jose's pick
0: right yeah and you know you you want to kind of stagger things a little too sometimes it's like Good point. too too many guys coming in at the same time arriving in the NHL at the same time that conceivably can put you into salary cap hell down the road and staggering the talent as you rebuild this thing, not necessarily the worst of things. Yeah. Uh, Are you still on board with your interest level in the Stanley Cup playoffs? Because this thing's still a ways off. Like we're a month away before, you know, we're getting into training camps and this thing could be late summer into the fall. Um, Where are you at with your interest level for the Stanley Cup playoffs?
1: I'm a hockey fan. I'm going to watch. I don't care. Like, I've always, these people who talk about, when it's hot out and I'd rather go to the cottage and, all oh, the better weather. I don't care. The so Stanley right. Cups are, playoffs are on TV. I'm watching.
0: The thing about the qualifying round, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, you know, there's some teams that are better than the others, but there's a, a good deal of sameness. And I'm like, I'm not sure I'm going to be tuning in for the four best teams in each conference playing for seedings. Just what does it matter? Because there's such a sameness in terms of the teams they may end up playing. If there's no elimination at stake, I'm
1: like, eh, whatever. Well, but that let's be honest, that's just so they can get some games in. Like it's not fair if they get to sit around and do nothing. Right. Like okay, at the end of a regular regular season, it's okay to give a team a bye maybe. But in this case, nobody's played for how long, and to let those eight teams play a best of five and then come in against a team that's been sitting there for four months it's not fair the only reason they're doing that thing is to get those let those uh those other eight teams play
0: i will say it's a i'd suggest it's a big advantage um for the reason you just mentioned but also the angle of you know i mean you've coached teams before at every level and when your team is taking on a, an elite team i mean that really brings your game up versus playing some of the rank and file teams where you're maybe not quite at your best They'll have finished each of these top four teams, this three-game round Robin. Those are the best teams, the Creme de la Creme. Having played great teams and now playing a lesser team in the
1: next round, I think that's an advantage. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. It's not like a normal playoff series where you're playing the lesser team first and you kind of build your way up. You know, you're on the you're in the sixty mile an hour road and you work your way up to the eighty mile an hour road or whatever. It's they're starting right off the bat, the best on best. In those two uh, groups of four. Yeah, that's a good point. Thank you.
0: Uh, So, and I made it with all this uh, food arriving. So how about me? That's very Uh, nice. The uh, playoff matchups are as follows. In the East, Pittsburgh, number five, taking on number 12, Montreal. We got number six, Carolina, against the Rangers. Number seven, the Islanders, your Islanders, against the number 10, Florida Panthers. And number eight, Toronto, against number nine, Columbus. And in the West, Edmonton versus Chicago, then it's Nashville, Arizona, Vancouver, Minnesota, and Calgary versus Winnipeg. So if you're making Coach Kennedy's TV guide for this qualifying <laughs> playoff round, what are the two that you're kind of you know ideally gonna be alternating between?
1: Well, I, I would as a Ottawa resident, I would be very interested in the Islander series. Um, from two sides of it from I want to see it'd be nice to see the Islanders not do well Mm -hmm. but also I I'm I'm seeing Florida as a sleeper here I'm seeing Florida as a team that just couldn't seem to get their act together all year and now in a short-term sort of thing with a really good coach and a really really good goaltender that maybe they can get their their act in gear and do something here for a nice run. Um, again, being Ottawa, I'm interested in watching Toronto and seeing them lose to Columbus. I think that might be good. On the yep. other side of the fence over there out west, I think Winnipeg's a bit of a sleeper here. I'm, I'm, that's a that's a team with a lot of depth. I'm interested in seeing how that Winnipeg Calgary turns out too.
0: Yeah, you? I I, th- I think Montreal Pittsburgh just because um uh, you know those are two Ottawa foes. Yep. You know you can't uh, you'd be hard pressed beyond the Leafs to come up with. Two teams that Sens fans would dislike more than the Penguins and the Habs, and uh, I probably like that Edmonton-Chicago series just because it kind of takes me back. If you're, of a, you're, you know, <laughs> we're about the same age, and if you're yeah. of a certain vintage, you remember those great 1980s battles between the Oilers and the Blackhawks. It's a little different version, but you still have some really high octane skill there in McDavid, in Drysaddle, your Art Ross winner, and of course Patrick Kane.
1: Yeah, wasn't that the was that eleven eight or eleven seven or something? One year they played a playoff game.
0: Yeah, I think that was the highest scoring playoff game of all time. Crazy,
1: crazy,
0: and those games. I mean, just not only the Oilers were right in their prime, but you also when Chicago was playing at Chicago Stadium and the place was going bonkers, and you had Danny Savard and Steve Larmer and guys like that. Those were really exciting battles.
1: Yeah, and but but Chicago, a team that clearly was a seller at the deadline, moved Leonard right. Clearly a seller. And yet, oh, oh, hey, wait a minute. We're in the playoffs now.
0: So weird. Uh, Yeah, there's lots of examples like that. Brady Shea's probably the best one. The Rangers trade into Carolina, and now they have to play Brady Shea in Carolina. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Jeez.
1: Yeah. Uh, But I I agree with you on the Pittsburgh-Montreal. That's the one where it's 7th best record against 24th best record, right? That's the one where one of those two teams could win the Cup, and the other one could get the first overall pick. It's just
0: weird. I'm going to have to gamble on that series because... Uh, every fiber of my being is going to be cheering against both teams. So I'm not entirely (laughs) sure how I'm going to play that without gambling, but I will be
1: interested. I kind of want to see it because I want to see Pittsburgh beat them and just put to rest, shut up all these people who keep saying, it's not fair because Carey Price is going to be a superstar and win a series and yada, yada, yada. Like We shouldn't have to play against Carey Price. They weren't in the playoffs. Well, Shut up. Just go in and knock knock them off.
0: Who's more disrespected in this league than Matt Murray? Two Stanley Cups, and it's like, you know, he might might as well just be some scrub from the American Hockey League. Oh, it's Carey Price over there. Ooh, it's Carey Price. Jeez. He's Chris Osgood. Yeah, exactly. Same kind of deal.
1: he's Chris Osgood. Wait a minute. What was the stat this year for, um, who's the goalie there? Jimmy Howard, right? Yep. With the official end of the NHL season now being official, right? Mm -hmm. Jimmy Howard played 27 games and won... Two, So he becomes only the fifth goaltender, I believe it is, in NHL history to play more than 25 games and win two or less. Ugh. In that group is Daniel bertillon The bandit. Yeah, like, like Jimmy Howard this year was 2, 23, and 3. That's really that bad. That is bad. That, that is, is, all is kinds really of bad. bad. Well, that's not, well. look at Daniel Bertillon like right back in his day that would be the first the first season of the uh of the Sens he was like 219 and 4 or something 2 no 217 and one Was he there in the Let in the very first year ten year ninety two ninety three 92 93 expansion senators 217 and 1
0: who do I remember from that i remember wow. peter Sidorkowitz. i remember steve weeks and birchom came in later in the year i think cuz i think they started the year with Bandit. with sidorkowicz and and weeks and yeah. Darren Maidley was in there somewhere, oh, maybe yeah. by year yeah, two. For him.
1: Yeah. yeah, he was, well, he was their goalie of the future at one point. He was, Wasn't he at Michigan State at the time, I think?
0: Yeah. Oh, we've yeah. had a lot of goalies of the future who never panned <laughs> out. <haven't we? laughs> All right, so let's uh, change gears here, talk a little bit about the captaincy. And uh, we have discussed it on the show before, but it comes up today because there's a story in the sun as we record this, that uh, after a couple of years without a captain, Sens head coach DJ Smith is now at least talking about naming a captain, having conversations with Sens GM Pierre Dorian. And I mean, it really only comes, I, I think there's probably three guys and no one else even can remotely be considered for this thing. Um, but do they need to at this stage? Is, is it time to name a captain? Do you think?
1: I don't think so. I, I As a matter of fact, I think it's, I don't think they should at all. I think it's too early, too soon to put that onto a Shabbat or onto a Kachuk. I don't care if they have the leadership qualities about them and they're the right guy for it. I still think at this age, with this group of players, this team, the makeup of the team, I don't think either of them should be the captain at this time. I don't want a captain there with... This team could have as many as four or five new kids in the lineup next year. All like, How many guys in this team are going to be 23 or under? You, right. Do you need a, like, you've got kids there who need to learn how to play at this level and the lifestyle. You know how they have them live with veterans and all that sort of stuff. You're going to have all kinds of kids like that around there. And is the captain the right guy when he's 23 himself? So I think it has to be an older guy. So if you're going to go older, is it a borrow? Nobody would complain. But is he the right guy who's probably a 5'6 defenseman? So maybe it's another year of no captain. Give some A's to some veteran guys again, and some A's to some young guys again. would we'll spread it out, three or four of them, and go from there. Well, I
0: think you know the reason you're giving out A's and not C's. I mean, you're making defa- you're, you're making a de facto captaincy decision. Like this year, when they handed out the three A's, Depaggio, Hainsy, and Borvietsky. it's kind of the same thing. These are you're gonna, you gonna know, these are the acknowledged leaders on the team. The reason you don't give out C's is because you don't you don't want to have to pull the C away. If, in fact, one of the kids arrives ready for prime time and this other guy, one of these three vets, you know, maybe you still want to keep him around. You don't have to pull the C off the guy's jersey. I think in the case of Borowiecki, I think uh, there's no issue with doing that. So if we're having a conversation about handing out alternate captaincies and putting the A on jerseys, I think there's no harm in giving it to Borowiecki because one of two things will happen. Um, He'll still be in the NHL, and he'll be, because he's such a gamer, a team guy, he, he would 100% be on board with the concept of, yeah, give, a, you know, g- give it to uh, Kachuk. Uh, it's fine. Uh, or he'll be out of the league, one of the two things. And so I, I have no problem. Yeah. If, if you want to go down the road of, I don't want to give it to the young guys just yet, Borowiecki's a natural solution. How, how did you feel about Spezza? I was a little surprised by it, I thought. I, I thought... Um, I never, I never really got the leadership angle about Jason Spezza. He just seemed to be, you know, maybe the guy that's uh, kind of next in line. Oh, yeah, Alfie left. Oh, my God, we need a guy. Exactly. And uh, he was exactly. the, be- the best offensive guy that was remaining after the absence of uh, both Alfie and Heatley.
1: I think that's the way you're looking. At, some people are looking at it here, too. It's like, okay, who's the next logical guy? It's Shabbat or it's Kachuk. Let's give it to him. But I think that when they gave it to Spets, it was I, I, at that time. I thought it was too early. I thought they should have given it to Phillips for a year or two. You know, they didn't want to give it to Phillips because he, you know, he's become a fifth or a sixth defenseman by that point, and he was older and yada yada. He only had a year or two left. Well, as it turns out, Spets only had a couple of years left. Right. I thought they should have given it to the intermediary there to to Phillips for a couple of years, and then looked you kind know, of come back around again on spets I I just, I feel it's the same sort of situation here. Let's not give it to somebody who, uh, they don't need the extra undue pressure. If you've got a couple of veterans, there's nobody saying you can't have four A's. You can have two A's on the road and two A's at home. Right. I think you could have even three, right? You could could have six A's if you wanted to. Let's make it a leadership team and an older guy in there who's going to work with those younger kids and teach them how to be leaders at the same time.
0: I would say the thing that I'm looking for most in a captain is, and it's a cliche, to lead by example. Every coach has got an idea of the kind of hockey team they want. Um, whatever player you know, has those assets that maybe will bleed into others, that's the guy that I'm probably going to choose for a captain. Uh, there's about a dozen different attributes of what goes into making a great captain, but I think for me, leading by example
1: is number one. And the example that the coach wants, like the guy that the guy that plays the system and is the closest thing to what the coach would consider to be a perfect player within right. his style of play, system, teamwork, whatever you want to call it. The guy that best leads by example, I agree with you totally. But he, I mean, there also has to be a respect factor in there, but there's more to it. It's different from minor hockey or even junior hockey. The captain here is there's a lot of social aspect to it for the captain as far as team-building activities, off-ice stuff, working with young kids, working with rookies and bringing them along and all sort of stuff. And I'm just not sure that Kachuk or Shabbat have those skills yet to be the guy to work somebody into the NHL. Right. I think that we can agree
0: Brady Kachuk is the runaway leader, but I don't know, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth. Is Thomas Shabbat in the discussion right now? If they had to do it, let's just say... Gary Bettman showed up and says, we want everybody in the NHL to have a captain right now. You've got to name someone. Would Brady Kachuk maybe not be If mol- I
1: absolutely positively had to name someone right now and I could only go between those two?
0: Yeah, and he has to stay for the next wow. five years in that role. Then
1: I... Uh, the, the, the nice thing about Shabbat is he brings the bilingualism. Right? And he's, uh, what, a year or two older? Um... Like that's, that's where Shabbat's the guy. We all agree that Kachuk is the heart and soul, hardworking leadership qualities that you want. Mm-hmm. But I, I think Shabbat brings all those same things too and plays 25, 26 minutes a night. And if I had to pick one right now, it has to be for five years, then, I, then I'd take Shabbat. But wow. in, my, in my world, I'd wait two years and give it to Kachuk.
0: When you look at Shabbat, he, he signed, that's one thing. He's got an eight-year contract. He's gonna be here for a while, so that uh, gives him a, a bit of a leg up. The age as well. The the, the being a francophone that that doesn't. Hurt. I just to me if you the smart money's on Kachuk for sure because uh, I think he's wise beyond his years. Um, good communicator, uh, great with the fans. Uh, he's in the mold of a DJ Smith, you know. Oh yeah, coaches a, a tend totally. to. Yeah, he, he. I mean DJ Smith when he talks about. What what he likes in a player, he, he talks about guys who hang onto the puck. He talks about guys who go to the net. He talks about guys who react when when teammates get worked or a goalie gets bumped into or something. Uh, Brady Kachuk is all those things, and uh, I will be one hundred percent blown away if uh, D J Smith names a young captain who is uh, whose name is not Brady not. Kachuk. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. I'll agree with you.
1: Oh boy, but I still want to wait. Okay, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. All
0: right, here's a name from the past for you Chris Weidman.
1: Now put up, flies it across. Chop score!
0: So that would be the biggest goal of Chris Weidman's career. Game two against the Bruins. That brought the Sens to within one goal. Certainly the biggest playoff goal of his career because it's the only playoff goal of Chris Weidman's career. And he was part of that whole 2017 Stanley Cup playoff run to the Eastern Conference Final for the Sens. And that's the end of the line now, though, for Chris Weidman. He is signed on in the KHL, and we certainly wish him well. Quality citizen, that whole Uber thing aside... Uh, he was a good uh, a good teammate and I, I mean I loved one day he put it on Twitter. It's like, hey, I'm going out to the outdoor rink kids. anybody want to come out and, and, uh, and yeah. dangle and all that stuff? And so I thought he was a quality guy. And the question I think becomes, Greg, is is was that that gruesome hamstring injury when Yevgeny Malkin the season, the season after that playoff run, did that affect his career? Um, or was he perhaps, with a nod to Denny Green, not what we thought he was?
1: Oh, I'd never thought of it that way. I thought you were going to say it was because of the cab ride and he had to go. Well, there's that too. Yeah, yeah, but he's never been the same player since the injury. So, yeah, was he playing over his head? I don't know. You know, I, I if the injury hadn't been there, I, I also think that personnel-wise. He didn't really get a, this, a fair shot when he was ready to come back in a lineup here after the injury. Numbers weren't really helping him. Like if there was a spot there for him and he could have stepped right in, things might have been different. Um, yeah, I, I never thought about it that way. What do you think?
0: I think the hamstring injury's got to affect things because it wasn't. Yeah. Just, it wasn't just a run-of-the-mill hamstring injury. Just to recap, Most when Yevgeny Malkin fell on him, and he just, he I mean, it was all just like, it was like a like a cheap folding table, the way the legs get all cut up underneath it and stuff. And, just, and Malkin's a big man, and he just fell right on top of him, and it was just awful. The hamstring tore away from the bone. It was that yeah, okay, severe. Okay. And, <laughs> I'm being a little too graphic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I just, I, I saw a guy that was, you know, he won the 2015 American Hockey League Award for best defenseman in that league, and he looked like a guy that was going to be a really good 5'6 defenseman, chip in a little bit occasionally on the power play, but he was never the fleetest of foot to start with, but he had enough, enough to yeah. get around and, and, and be a decent NHL defenseman. He lost a step, I thought, a step that he didn't have to give.
1: Yeah, you're probably right. And, yeah, it's it's... And in the end, he just never, whether he got back to 100% or not, physiologically, I don't, did he get back to 100% mentally? Right. Psychologically, was he 100%? I don't know that he ever got to that state. Goes over to Russia, he'll play, and hopefully, uh, like, I wish him well. I hope he does well. If anything
0: even changes, right? Like, maybe, like, the whole mechanics of skating changes a little bit when you have something like that. Maybe the hamstring never, and maybe it healed, but maybe it didn't feel the same after that. Right. And like an entire lifetime uh, of skating a certain way. And we all know a defenseman, they ha- have so many unbelievable angles they have to take on, pivoting and uh, forward to right. backward transitioning. And if it changes even a little, and I think you could probably look at Eric Carlson a little in that degree, um, you're just not quite the same after you've gone through something like that. So maybe it wasn't a case of it, he never got back to 100%, but maybe he never got back to 100% of the comfort level that he used to have. And right. maybe he was just almost like, like trying to learn to skate with somebody else's leg.
1: <laughs> where did he end up going? He, he couldn't make, I want to say Edmonton, but that's Griba. Uh, I think he was
0: in Edmonton for a little bit. Florida was okay, where so he, he, uh, well, he was, uh, he played a game for Florida this year, I think.
1: Oh, uh, well, go to the KHL and get things back on track. And, and who knows?
0: Fare thee well, Chris Weidman. Fare we thee well. Do uh, now, hey, your pal, yeah. you're you're uh, you're you're very oh, psyched about Josh Norris, and he is the American Hockey League Rookie of the Year. Now he reaches center with a right wing feed for Norris over the line. Norris shoots, he scores from the right circle. May have even caught a piece of Wedgewood going through, and the Senators take a four-one lead on a four-on-four. So there's Josh Norris lighting it up in Belleville. Hell of a hockey player, and what do you? I know you're a huge fan. You've talked him up big time on the show. Uh, does he make the team next year? Of course he does. Franchise
1: record, we should say. Now Belleville, not counting Binghamton <laughs> and everywhere else, but a Belleville Senators record: thirty-one goals. That's a franchise record, not a rookie record. Well, it's a rookie record now, but right. it's also the franchise record. Tied for third in the league scoring. 13 game point streak. He makes this team next year. The only question is whether he's the number one center or the number two center. Right. Well, Pierre Dorian
0: didn't uh, put a rubber stamp on it in uh, his uh, Zoom season ending news conference. Uh, he basically was non committal. But what else will he say at this stage of the game? You do not want a kid to think he's got it made coming into camp.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. You don't want to hand out like a, you know, a five-year contract at $5 million a year or something. And the kid thinks he's got the team made. That would be, you wouldn't want to do that, would you?
0: No, I don't think so. Uh, (laughs) So we'll see how it all plays out. But uh, I would agree with you. I think Josh Norris is um, probably going to make this team. It's going to be interesting to see. How many of the kids uh, they're able to shoehorn in, or want to shoehorn in at this stage? Because there's boy, there's half a dozen that'll be at least in the discussion, right?
1: Oh yeah, like I, I, I see Formanton, Batherson, and Norris all here amongst the nine forwards. Um, you could make an argument that uh, Logan Brown gets his act together and and he's got a spot on a on a left wing here. but... Uh, both Smith and Dorian have have made comments to the likes that uh, they want to keep Brandstrom down there for a little more.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I don't I don't necessarily think he's going to be here, but definitely, definitely Formington, Batherson, Norris, maybe a couple others, but those three for sure I think are here come come December. <laughs> right. I I
0: don't know. Um, Logan Brown on the wing, huh? I I, I mean you got to experiment. Well, where to are you going to play him? Yeah, I don't know. I just feel uh, he's uh, his strength is is vision and passing. It's uh, and I, I'd say that I would argue it's like near the top of the team right now. Uh, but the you know there is either compete or skating issues. One of the two that uh, that's still both. yeah. Right now, it's just get in the NHL. However, if you put him in nets, whatever it is, get in the league <laughs> and uh, and and get comfortable there. And I think that that's a guy that if he gets consistent reps, because we all know, I mean, this guy's been through what four training camps and at some stage, he's going to have to be given a good long look as the first rounder he is and uh, let him sink or swim because uh, you know, at this stage of the game, uh, what, what else is he learning in Belleville? Um, hey, sends alumni birthdays, ladies and gentlemen. How about this? It sends alumni music. birthdays. Oh yeah. We need music. <laughs> And there it is. Um, okay. Not a big, long list, but some certainly some meaningful names. We've got Dan Quinn. He's Nichols, 55 today. He is one of the few oh. guys. One of the few guys. This is a good trivia. He had a hat trick yeah. for the Sens, by the way. I think he only had about 20 goals for the Sens, and he had a hat trick. Of course he did. Huh. But he's he's one of the few guys. Let's see how many, if any, you can name. One of the few guys to play for the Senators, leave. And then come back again. Wow. How about that? I can think of three three other guys. Uh, Sean McGeckran. Boy, I'd have to check that. I don't think so. I think he left and left for good. Oh, okay.
1: Smoke come and go? Smolinski? No. No, he wasn't one of them? No. No. Oh, jeez. I'm not doing good on this one, am I?
0: One wow. guy was on the expansion Sens, and then he finished his career with the Sens, playing I think two or three seasons here. His like surname guy. His surname is uh well, when you say his surname, yeah, um, I, you're thinking I, Hall of Famer. You're not thinking this guy. <laughs> There's
1: another How? No. Jody Hall. Jody, Jody Hall.
0: There you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he came and went and came, did he? he okay. Sure did. Who else yeah, came and went and came back? Uh, I believe Joe Corvo did. Oh, that's correct. Yes. Yep.
0: And Mike Comrie came and went.
1: I was going to say him right off the bat, and then I got sidetracked. Oh. Mike Comrie was the first name I thought of. Damn. Yeah. He, yeah, he... The ex of, uh, he married uh, Hannah Montana. Nope. Hillary Duff. Yeah. Hannah Montana. Isn't that no, her? no, not she a... Hannah Montana? No, that would be Miley Cyrus. Oh, well, then which Hillary Duff was which one then? Which one was she?
0: Hillary Duff, um, she would play. What was the show she was on? Darn it! Oh,
1: see now you got me. I thought she was Hannah Montana. Yeah, anyway. she
0: had a show like Hannah Montana. She was um, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Somebody, whatever. It's Lizzie McGuire. Lizzie McGuire. There you go. Dan Quinn's a good golfer, and he is caddied for a like one of the top five golfers in the world at one time. Did you know that? I do not. A person who should be special to your uh, situation. In life. Oh, Ernie Els. Yes. Dan nice. Quinn caddied for Ernie Els.
0: Yeah. Ernie Els uh, has an autistic son and uh, very, very active in, yeah. in the fundraising world. So, uh, yeah, cool. That's very cool.
1: Okay. So Dan Quinn's 55. What else you got, buddy?
0: We got Eric Carlson, the big oh. three zero turned wow. 30 this week. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. This like swashbuckling kid that, uh, You know, that everybody's so pumped about 30 years old. My
1: goodness. And still seven years left on that contract. And he's already had his, not only has he already had his best season, he's had his best two or three seasons. He will never have a season. The best season he's going to have moving forward will be like the fourth or fifth best of his career. Really? He's that far done. Oh yeah, done. I got to watch more San Jose
0: Sharks games and see what's going on (laughs) with him. But certainly there's, the guy can't stay healthy. That's uh you know, whatever you think about his game right now and the state of it, um, yeah. it's got to be a concern for the Sharks that, well, A, they're, you know, uh, uh, a high-end lottery team, but uh, B, that uh, this uh, superstar they're paying a king's ransom to can't stay healthy.
1: He was never strong enough defensively, ever. Even when he was here, he, even in his best seasons, he was never strong enough defensively. H- his whole game was about feet and stick, right? Quick stick, quick feet, quick stick, quick feet. That was his whole defensive play. Right. And once he lost a step or half a step, forget about it. Now he looks terrible at times. You can watch him play. Oh, When the puck's in the San Jose zone and you're watching a game on TV, just watch him. He's gliding around with his stick across his knees, just kind of gliding, staring at the puck. Has no concept of defensive zone coverage. He looks horrible and he's just never going to be the same player again.
0: All right, we shall take our leave here in episode number 14. By the way, best number 14 yeah. Ottawa senator of all time is... Radic Monk. Not even close. You are correct, sir. And he didn't even wear it his whole career. He started it with 76 and then changed in 1998 to number 14.
1: Yeah, Pierre Gauthier and Jacques Martin were, the, were the, right on the same page. You don't wear any of those stupid numbers. None of right. them. Like right. uh, Deg went from 91 to 9?
0: Nine? Correct. Um, and Bonk, uh, with all due respect, uh, well, he didn't exactly have a tough crowd to beat out. Uh, also number 14, Brad Marsh, Jean-Yves Roy, Dave Hannon, Andre Mazzaro's Chris Campoli, Colin Greening, Alex Burrows, and Max Verano, the latest to wear it this past season before being traded to the Leafs organization. And with that, we shall call it a day. Greg, well done, as always. What's uh, what's up? You, what's sir. what's next on the sports schedule for well, you?
1: I, it's been a week of sports movies for me. Okay. I watched uh, Major League uh, last night, and uh, when you called to do this, I was in the middle of uh, Field of Dreams.
0: Oh, it's one of my all-time favorites. I watched yeah, Field of Dreams twice in the first week it came out. Oh, it's an awesome movie. So good, so good. Yeah. All right, well, um, someday... We'll, uh, we'll have a catch. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Greg. All right, buddy. Bye now. But we talking about practice, man. What are we talking about? Practice? We talking about practice, man. We We talking about practice. We talking about practice. We ain't talking about the game. We talking about practice, man.